Welcome to the Fierce Fiduciary Podcast. This podcast focuses on financial planning and investment topics. Our goal is to help you make better financial decisions. We are fierce advocates of fiduciary advice. What does fiduciary mean? It means that anyone who advises you should always put your needs first. We hope you get some value from this episode. Thanks for listening. Standard housekeeping, anything on the Fierce Fiduciary Podcast should not be considered individual financial planning or investment advice. For that, we recommend you consult your own properly registered and licensed professional. Welcome back. This is episode 25. I'm Brian Beasley and with me is Dan Alberth. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. We're continuing our conversation about risk. Episode 22, 23, and 24. If you haven't listened to those, stop this now and go back and listen to those episodes. But we've talked about different ways that can people can look at risk. We've talked about risk tolerance, something that shouldn't change that often. We've talked about your perception of risk and how that can change and screw things up big time because it changes a lot. So you want to be careful about that. And today we're talking about risk capacity. And we talk about risk capacity, um, you know, risk tolerance is about your own feelings, risk perceptions about you. But not only do you need your investment portfolio to to match you, you also kind of need to achieve your goals. And what risk capacity looks at is, is the portfolio and is the plan aligned with a high probability of achieving those goals that you have, whether that's your retirement or your child's education or whatever, saving for a big major purchase. But whatever your various goals are, risk capacity looks at is the portfolio or is your financial plan aligned with the high probability of achieving those goals? I mean, what we try to do is we try to figure out, okay, what's the minimum amount of risk it takes where you still have a high probability of making, meeting your goals. And yet on the other side, we also want to know what's the maximum amount of volatility we can take on in a portfolio and still have a high probability of return. So if you're looking at a scale, say like what we use with software we use has a number between one to 99 and the client might have a risk score of 50. You look and you say, okay, I'm going to invest at a 50 because it matches that person. But if it's going to take a 60 to make, meet their goals at a minimum, then that's something to find out early in the process. Now, ideally you want the minimum risk and the maximum risk that you can take I'll back up. You want their, their, the client's tolerance for risk should be in between those two numbers. So if your minimum risk is a 25 and your maximum risk is a 75, ideally the client's risk tolerance should be somewhere in there. So risk capacity is like the, the, the guardrails of the freeway, so to speak. It's how, which lanes are you, can you drive in and still get to your destination safely? Here's an example. You have a very, very aggressive investor and they're looking to put their money away for six months to go buy a house and they have their down payment money. It's all there. And they invested in the S and P 500 index because they're very, very aggressive and they're trying to do the best they can with that money. Well, during that six month period of time, there's a 30%, 35% correction similar to what happened in 2020 with COVID and that down payment for their house just lost 35% of their money and they no longer have the ability to purchase that house and move forward. Right. So that's an example where the capacity for that goal 
the portfolio really couldn't stand to take that much volatility because there'd be the risk of not even being able to buy their home. You're not going to meet your goal. That goes back to risk over time, risk perception, all the things we've talked about in prior episodes. But yeah, it, it really is possible where you can have a situation where you can take, there, there's this perception out there that if you just simply increase the risk, you automatically increase all the returns. And the truth is, is that over time, you do reach a kind of a sweet spot where you're getting compensated. You're taking a unit of risk and you're getting more return. And you're taking a little bit more risk and you're getting more return. But there really is historically a, a place where you're simply adding volatility and you're not getting compensated, really. It's just not worth it at that at a certain point where you're going, hey, all you're doing is adding volatility at this point. You're not getting an increased return over time. There's kind of a, a diminishing returns as you add risk to a portfolio. And, and so there is such a thing. And then you start taking into account things like all the moving parts. Many of the risk analyses that advisors will do for risk capacities, they'll take into account you know, whether it's their financial planning software or a Monte Carlo analysis where you're looking at a range of outcomes or if you're looking at risk software that takes into account moving parts over your lifetime. So this could be, well, your, your, the time factor for sure, but also your income and how that income can change over time, what your sources of income are now and in the future, Social Security, pension income, whatever. Your expenses and how those expenses may change over time. There's going to be times where you have maybe college expenses. Maybe you are paying for a wedding. Maybe you're doing some uh, a second home type of situation. Or maybe you're buying a home for the first time. There's just a time over the course of your life where your expenses change. Maybe there's a time when you first retire where you're traveling a lot and trying to check items off your bucket list. And then there's later in your years where maybe you're not spending as much money in retirement. But kind of having a clue about the moving parts of your expenses and your income over time can be taken into account when you do this properly. There's also your contributions. While you're working, you might be putting money away. And then while you're retired, you're taking money out. And when those things happen, how often they happen, they all come into, into, into account. So when an advisor is doing a risk capacity analysis and they're trying to figure out how much risk can you take how little risk can you take and still achieve your goals there's a lot of stuff they got to take into account to really figure that one out there is such a thing as a place where you take too little so little risk that you actually could fail in achieving those goals that's the one we see probably most common especially amongst retired people they really are risk averse they really want stability and smoothness and their their income has been turned off, basically. They have a, a fixed income from the government or a pension or something like that, and the stress levels are much... There's not as much tolerance for risk in the first place. And so there's a tendency to really err on the conservative all the time. And that worked for a while when you had really great interest rates, but right now it's really, really challenging because rates are so low. On the other hand, you can actually take so much risk that the volatility reduces the odds that you'll meet your goals. It's not a simple thing of I'll add risk and instantly get more return over time. It doesn't exactly work that way. You can have situations where you take on so much volatility that you then make a horrible decision at a wrong time. And we talked about that in the past as well. When I think of risk capacity, I think of this is a pure math exercise. There's no emotion in it to try to figure out what is your lowest amount of risk that you could take or your greatest amount of risk that you can take. In establishing what those guardrails are, that doesn't say anything about who you are, 
what your risk tolerance is or your risk perception. Those things are your emotions, how you feel about things, what you're able to tolerate. When we're talking risk capacity, that's just the pure math. What's it going to take to get the job done? And along those lines, you know, it, it really can over time be, I say the word engineered, and it may be too strong of a term, but probability analysis when you're building a portfolio really comes into play here because no one knows the future. Straight up, nobody can predict the future in the short run. It's very, very, very hard to do that. Stuff happens, world events happen. No one 25 years ago would have thought that we would have been at war around the world in the global war on terror for over 20 years. Nobody expected something to be that long and drawn out. It was very, very unusual for somebody to think that. Much less know the details in advance. When you're talking about the stock market, it's absolutely no different. There's people who make predictions all day long, every single day. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that when you're looking at building your portfolio to meet your goals, it's probably wiser, it's a better process to focus on things like long-term historical averages of different investment types and categories of investments than it is to hang your futures, hang the, the, your future on someone's ability or the expectation that someone's going to be able to predict things in the short run. Well, you know, Mr. So-and-so, your job, Mr. Advisor, your job is to know what's happening before it happens and to predict the future. That's not what the process looks like. That's not the way it works. No one can predict the future. The best you can do is try to stack the odds in your favor. And if you want a high probability of success, understanding the capacity of your portfolio to achieve goals requires that you have some level of consistency of that portfolio and the process that you're using over time. It's really easy when you're young and you have a little tiny bit of money, or if it's in your play money account, your entertainment account to bounce around this, that, or the other, and think that that's just the way things are going to be forever. And what that, that, that's just gambling. That's just speculation. But if you want a solid situation, you're going to have to start following best practices and having something that can be counted on over time. And when you're engineering a portfolio around the risk capacities, that's going to require some level of consistency and adherence to things that have been proven over time. So we've talked a lot about risk. There's a lot of ways to define it. Typically it's how bouncy is the ride? How bumpy is the ride? We talked about your tolerance for that, which really shouldn't change that much over time. It's important that your investments match you. And why is that? It's so that you'll stick with your strategy for a long period of time. That's how you can succeed. You don't succeed by changing your mind every three months or every three years even. It's something that shouldn't change that much over time. We talked about your risk perception. Just being aware that what you may think is your tolerance for risk changing is may just be your you may just be based on biases and psychological errors from your own observation. Just be aware of that and defend yourself against that and question yourself with some humility and go, hey, am I kind of looking at this the wrong way? And get feedback from someone who's actually competent, not just someone you trust. And then risk capacity is just making sure that you know how many lanes of the freeway you can drive in and still reach your destination. So you want your portfolio aligned with both you and a high probability that you're going to achieve your financial goals. To the extent you can do that, maybe you're on the road to a better situation. Once again, thanks for listening. 
If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. Please subscribe. Please like. Please comment. Please find us on social media. We are at Fierce Fiduciary. You can also Google Fierce Fiduciary Podcast and find us anywhere. Dan, you're at from Facebook. I'm on Facebook at Dan Albert. Dan Albert, and I am at Brian C Beasley on most platforms. We also participate in some Facebook groups. If you're looking to have a deeper conversation there about various things, there's a group called Investing for Beginners. And then Dan and I host a group called Investing and Financial Planning that provides some educational and learning material. So once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.